0: The following programme is a repeat of The Farm Show, which airs Thursday nights on KCLR from 7. Brought to you by
1: tierlawnfarmlife.com This is The Farm Show on KCLR. Brought to you with thanks to
2: tierlawnfarmlife.com Good evening and you're very welcome to The Farm Show. It's Martin Bridgman here with you again tonight and we're going back over a number of interviews which we held off or uh, split up for different reasons. Um, a little later on, we'll hear an interview that Matt did with Thomas Gallagher, who's the president of the Irish Peak Health Society. Uh, Porrick Brennan previews the Tullamore show, uh, particularly the sustainable livestock village. We'll have the March Report from Tullo. We'll also hear about the upcoming Borrissio Society annual event coming up, but first you go back to an interview, which Matt did with Catherine Laskaretz there a number of weeks back. When we spoke to her last time, when he spoke to her last time, he was talking in the context of Nuffield Scholarships, but she's also, Catherine is also the Chief Operating Officer of Agtech. So Matt took the opportunity to talk to her about the day job, so to speak.
3: We spoke to Catherine Laskaretz only very recently about her role as uh, Secretary, Executive Secretary (laughs) to the Nuffield Scholarship Programme. Uh, this evening we want to chat to her about a different hat she wears as they recently appointed COO, Chief Operations Officer for AgTech. I know it's a, it's a general, loosely speaking, it's a general grouping of, of, of agri-tech companies and organizations around the country. But Catherine, you tell me a bit more about what and why AgTech was set up.
4: Okay, so AgTech Ireland uh, has a mission which is to promote, support and enhance Ireland's AgTech community. What we found was that um, a lot of AgTech companies in Ireland, and that covers a a fair multitude of of areas, between startups, established companies and so on, tended to operate somewhat in silos and what we wanted to create was was an opportunity for a supportive ecosystem which would allow for networking of AgTech leaders in Ireland The idea being that the the, the organization would be in a position to advocate and lobby for favorable policies uh, for a technical and financial environment, uh, which is favorable to the tech sector, to promote the collaboration across industry, research and government departments and agencies, because, again, there's an element of silo uh, you know, research tends to be quite pure and sometimes uh, lack that connection with the kind of companies and private sector interests that will actually bring some of that worthwhile agricultural research into the marketplace so that it can be picked up uh, by farmers and food producers. We also wanted to shape and communicate the agtech agenda in the whole context of sustainable agriculture, because there is a lot that agtech con- can contribute Uh, when it comes to helping support farmers in their sustainability journey, whether it is in helping them become more economically efficient, more labour efficient, to help them secure their social licence to produce more, to help them indeed address some of their environmental issues, including climate. Uh, Again, there's no silver bullet and we're not pretending that, but we know that there is a challenge that needs to be faced um, and we know that farmers are very keen and very willing to face that challenge, and we believe we have a part to play in bringing some solutions in that space. AgTech Ireland also uh, ambitions to be the and, and has set up a, a relationship with the Department of Agriculture to be the single point of contact for government, but also for media. We also participate and engage with trade missions representing uh, our industry, and of course we we want to support our member companies from a commercial perspective. You know, helping them identify new routes to markets uh, and you you know, communications with other countries. And we we currently have a a memorandum of uh, understanding with Agritech New Zealand, where very similar issues are experienced in terms of sustainability, um, climate, etc. And there are a lot of solutions and a lot of uh, work that we can do together. So we organize a number of events. We were recently present. uh, We had a uh, a marquee in Mopak, in Chagas Mopak Open Day. And uh, this was, to put it in context, this was the first time private companies, private ag tech companies were in that particular setup, bearing in mind that several thousands of dairy farmers went through the, the, the whole circuit, spite of the, of the heavy showers, didn't seem to dampen down the mood. And basically there is a, you know, the, a huge amount of other events, plans and projects that we have to give value back to our members. But also to actually play a full part into the the agri the the, the agricultural uh, ecosystem and become a little bit more visible within that system. Also,
3: you mentioned that linkage, that liaison with the a similar New Zealand grouping of ag tech companies. There's a plan to uh, organise a webinar um, and, 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 and an inter-country webinar. I think uh, what September, October.
4: That's right. In, in early September, we are in the process of organizing with our colleagues in AgriTech New Zealand, who are a little bit ahead of us in that they are set up quite a bit longer than we are. But, uh, you know, the, the bearing in mind that the, uh, the, the agricultural sector in, in New Zealand is encountering very similar challenges i mean if agriculture in ireland accounts for 38% of uh, greenhouse gas emissions in new zealand it's 50% so uh, we we have a lot to work together on and our two governments have very close linkages for the very same reasons so we have actually not only established a good relationship with the department of agriculture with a formal person into whom we connect to uh, to 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 work through a, a program of, uh, of of activity but we also have a memorandum of understanding with AgriTech New Zealand. So in early September, we're going to be holding a joint AgriTech summit, obviously online because it'll involve experts from both sides. Uh, from from New Zealand and from Ireland. We will be publishing more details of that, so watch this space. But yes, the idea is, again, to identify and try and progress issues that we share between the two countries. And if you think about New Zealand, uh, they operate from an agricultural point of view at counter-season to us. And one of the advantages that creates is that it it's, you know, basically you can feed up some of the research and some of the developments uh, around ag tech because you have two seasons to play with. Uh, in each year or the same season that can extend, if you see what I'm saying, uh, across the year. So we have a very good relationship, as I said, with AgriTech New Zealand. The chief executive of AgriTech New Zealand is an Irish man, Brendan O'Connell, and our chairman, uh, Paul Hennessy, uh, is, is also very, um, closely linked with him. So I think it, you will hear more from AgTech Ireland over the coming months because we have quite a lot of plans to, to, uh, to engage with our membership. Again, as I said, with a view to supporting the agricultural sectors and farmers in their sustainability journey.
3: Yeah, it's a huge growth sector, uh, Catherine, and there seems to be an opportunity for exponential growth in the coming years and add in AI, artificial intelligence, and and, and the potential is unbelievable, really. Some of them, uh, some new initiatives will survive uh, and thrive and go global, ultimately. But there is a huge potential in a country like Ireland, which you know, has such a big agricultural sector for those developments.
4: Absolutely. And I think, look, we we have a great agricultural sector. We also have an enormous amount of technical, technological and scientific expertise. If you look at the likes of Chagisk, if you look at the likes of the universities, UCD, et cetera, they all have hugely developed uh, agri-tech involvement and engagement. Uh, Enterprise Island is also very involved and in, in engaged in that sector. And it's a relatively recent uh, development that they have come on board uh, so we actually do work with enterprise island quite a bit as well i mean a lot of our member companies would have benefited from supports from enterprise island we also will be looking at uh, you know collaboration with french agritech uh, interests and indeed you know the idea is very much that there's there's a lot of expertise here which is good for uh, irish agriculture but has global potential as you rightly said there's also expertise elsewhere. Uh, that may be of advantage to agri-tech in Ireland and to Irish agriculture so we we aim to foster those connections and those uh, relationships and those opportunities to engage and to network not just for the benefit of of our members obviously we're a membership organization so that's our primary purpose but also because we know that the future uh, of agri-tech in Ireland is very much linked to the future of agriculture we know that the challenges that are there need to be overcome we believe we have a part to play in that there is a a huge array if you think of you know you ask the question what is agri-tech agri-tech is a multitude agri-tech could be biotech it could be genetics it could be chemicals it could be software hardware sensors drones uh, gps as you said uh, the whole AI sector is one area also that we intend to investigate this year, working with uh, with UCD, with uh, with AgriTech and UCD. There is enormous scope, as you rightly said, and while it is obviously a sector is in, in its own right which has a global potential, I just want to emphasise very strongly to your listeners that it, it is also very relevant to farmers in particular. Because we know the challenges that are being experienced. If you look at the challenges around labour in particular, and if you look around the challenges around climate, uh, around economic efficiencies, all of that hangs in together. All these are aspects of sustainability. There are things that agri-tech can do. Uh, if you look at climate, uh, you know, there are um, supplements both for feed and for slurry that are being developed, not just those supplements but the ways in which they can be delivered and they can be implemented that is a whole area in its own right you also have a a lot of focus on precision agriculture on looking for example if you're if you're looking at animal health um, looking at how to identify more precisely the bugs and diseases that affect animals so that you actually minimize use of antibiotics for example or ensure that you use the right antibiotic for the right disease so there's an enormous array that is relevant to ag tech and directly relevant to agriculture and we are uniquely equipped as you said in ireland because we have that level of expertise because we have an extremely successful agricultural industry which is very which has a very long tradition on the one hand and also has a very strong tradition is the wrong word but a very strong record of adopting and adapting but adopting new technologies new methods of farming and, and look this is an exceptional birthplace for for ag tech. so yeah we're very very optimistic of the of the future of the industry and its potential to deliver uh for agriculture in ireland and for farming in particular
3: just in in conclusion catherine it wouldn't seem to be a perfect storm in the positive sense that there's so much entrepreneurial talent out there, from farmers, uh, from entrepreneurial farmers upwards into the the academic sphere and the technological sphere. You've got Enterprise Ireland very supportive. You've got access to government, and I presume there's there's a an ambition there to grow the sector as a new clean green sector. And at the same time, are there any big challenges? Seed capital, for instance.
4: There are challenges around finance, for sure. There always is. But at the same time, I think there has been up until at least recently. I know the, the tech sector, generally speaking, has, has lost a bit of its shine in the last year or two. But I think at Of all the tech sectors, I think the ag tech sector is probably in a slightly better position. One of the things that is happening, for example, quite apart from, from finance is the fact that there is availability of very high level tech people, which have been coming out of some of the, of the big tech giants. So there, there are opportunities and challenges in terms of business for sure. It is difficult when you're, when you're presenting a completely new project. But if it's the right project, you know, I think at the same time, a lot of our startups are finding uh, ways to persuade financial supporters to, to support them. I think uh, what can be more challenging or what can be tricky for some of them is to bring the, a product to market and find distributors for a product or, you know, there's all sorts of issues around that. And that's part of the reason why we're very keen to bring those companies together into an organization which can raise the profile with, with all the stakeholders, including the, the financial uh, institutions.
3: Catherine Lascarette, Chief Operating Officer with AgTech, the industry sector grouping. And thank you very much for joining us on the, on the Farm Show and the best of luck with your endeavors.
4: Thank you very much, Matt, and thank you to your audience for listening in. An
2: annual local
3: event for uh, Boris
2: sheep breeders takes place this weekend. I caught up with Adrian Hayden, who uh, is a busy man, like a lot of farmers at the moment. Uh, to catch up with him for a couple of minutes to find out what's going on and what people can see. Adrian, thanks for taking the call. You're a busy man this weather, and I suppose what they say, ask uh, if something needs to be done. You ask a busy man, you're kept going this weather. Yeah, the
1: sixty, this is the sixtyth year uh, the Boris Yaw breeders are having to the- Sixty-eight annual, annual show and sale on
2: Saturday. I was nearly going to say, do you remember the first one? But of course you don't. I was just going to ask though, that given that it's there 60 years, you've seen a lot of things and I suppose it's no different to many other areas of farming, but how, how have you seen a change? What have been the, the changes for uh, the sheep industry over your, your time with the event? The
1: market has changed a
2: good bit now, Martin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even nobody wants to lamb you much any longer now. And Why would that be, Adrian? Is it just to, to typical to what's happening in other areas of farming sheep is no different to other areas where things are under pressure I imagine
1: there's no there's no young lad's interest in farming you see do yeah. they? have different routes you are gone into a five day a week job
2: no, it definitely seems to be uh, a theme that we see in farming, but in terms of the 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 event itself, as well as obviously the buying and selling and the seeing breeds and, and, there, and all the rest of it, you know, if you like the formalities of it, I mentioned there's a great social aspect. I mean, in the nature of farming, you don't get to see people involved in the same line of business every single week. So there's a social aspect, as I'm
1: saying. There is, yeah, yeah. Look at there's so much selling. The other way. we say we have three different types. We have, I said, eleven hundred hoggy jaws for sale, and There's eight hundred jaw lambs, and there's a hundred twos and threes. And we have lads from all the corners of Ireland coming and, and they all have a, an interest in different sections.
2: I imagine one of the things that uh, goes on, I mean, obviously you've all got an interest in, in, uh, the Boris breed in particular, but I imagine there's a lot of discussion about, you know, the future of the breed, what, uh, you know, and, and, and stuff. So I suppose that's, that's particular to a group of people who have an interest or a business indeed. But for people who haven't, uh, for people who don't quite know their way around the sheep trade, what is the special feature about the Boris?
1: Yeah, the, the Boris Joe is the lads travel from everywhere from her because she's, she's have a she's a the motor so you and you cross with the Suffolk Ram. Right. And the breed has great great for size and length and for milk. And it's a great thing, you can put any kind of continental cross ram on it, Texel, Charlie, any breed, you do it to get a good lamb for me.
2: So just on that point, uh, the quality of the meat, I mean, you've got the same 3Fs, uh, inputs and all the rest of it, uh, challenges that other areas of farming have. I suppose the um, the butchers counter, the supermarkets, all the rest of it play into that as well. It's not an easy time for you guys either.
1: Think it's a big challenge this year because the price of meal and everything and, and the factory price is not helping things now at the moment either.
2: And of course, one aspect of of the sheep trade is lamb. It's of of its nature. It's spring, it's seasonal, all that sort of thing. I suppose that doesn't help in terms of pricing. Yeah,
1: but you see, lamb is one of the dearer commodities. Right. But if you see, look at it. for those in the marketplace, the money is getting scarce at our end. To
2: talk specifics, then, I suppose uh, people want to know. The people who are who are interested in our members already know. But if people want to head along, what way is the day going to run, in Boris, on Saturday? No,
1: well, the old lambs will be sold inside. And they'll be starting about 11 o'clock on Saturday, and the uh, Hobbit Joes and the Twos and Threes, it will be sold in the pens starting at 11 o'clock. And in the Boris Mart in Boris, County Carlo.
2: I imagine all your details, contact details, air calls, all that sort of good stuff is online as well, um, Adrian.
1: We're on every sector for advertisement and everything. There's no hassle, you do it. Good stuff. Adrian, I know you're under pressure, so thanks for taking and the time. Travelment travelman can be arranged on the day, and there'll be two more sales then coming up as well.
2: Thanks again, Adrian. The very best of luck to you the weekend. The Farm Show on KCLR. Brought to you by com. Next Sunday, on sees uh, one of them
3: biggest shows, uh, agricultural shows of the year taking place at Tullamore and it incorporates the National Livestock Show. It's expected all going well weather-wise, that there'll be many thousands of people in attendance. Always a great event. The Sustainable Livestock Village, the first such event, is also happening at the venue in Tullamore on Sunday, August 13th. And to talk to me about it is Horig Brennan of Horig Brennan Consultancy. Horig, this is novel insofar
5: as there hasn't been such an event before. No, it's the first time that the SPD National Livestock Show have gone down this route, I suppose, Matt, and really the thinking behind it from the, the organisers is I think they recognise the need. They realise that there was so much commentary about climate, so much commentary about sustainability, that in many ways farmers were being bombarded with different information about what they should and shouldn't be doing in this area. So they said, why don't we do something about it? So the idea then was to develop a sustainable livestock village to essentially act as, as a one-stop shop on the day with all the relevant organisations in the, in the Mackay, if you like, giving advice and practical Practical advice and practical support as much as they could to farms to say. These are the things you could actually do on your farm now that would have a positive impact on the sustainability performance of your farm. But equally so, the second part of the village is all about recognising what farmers are already doing. Uh, And as part of that, Matt, we have a Sustainable Farmer Award, which the winners will be presented with their gold medals by Minister McConnell on Sunday, actually, at the show. And that's very much about showing all the good work that's happening on the ground across different production systems for beef and lamb. And it's trying to, number one, highlight the fact that there's a lot of good work happening. And number two... They maybe give ideas to farmers about things that they could try on their farm that are very practical, very straightforward in nature. And in often cases, bring a win-win benefit to them. So it's really as opposed to sum it up in one way, Matt, is trying to demystify some of the, what sustainability actually means in terms of day-to-day farming.
3: And it's a perfect opportunity to showcase sustainability because many thousands of farmers attend Tullamore and particularly
5: love to look at the, at the range of livestock. Actually, like in many ways, as you say, it's it's the ideal location, and I think that's what the organizers viewed. They know they're going to have sixty thousand visitors on the day. For many people, it's the All Ireland Championship for livestock farmers. So, really, on the day itself, you're going to have farms that are thinking about livestock, thinking about farming, and what better place to have a sustainable livestock village? And I suppose really, what you're trying to do is is part of the the, the livestock village on the day. If you look at a lot of the measures that are in the Charles Mack curve, or in a lot of the the signpost program that's going on. A lot of the measures that have been talked about bring a, an environmental benefit, but they also bring an economic benefit. And it's, it's to bring that conversation a little bit closer to the surface as well to say to farmers, right? For example, if you have your heifer calving down to 24 months of age instead of 36 months of age, that will reduce emissions, but it'll also boost the profitability of that animal for you at a farm level. Likewise, ICBF will be talking about five-star animals versus one or two-star animals and the benefits that has in terms of the efficiency of the animal in terms of growing or producing milk. And in terms of markets value, they're quoting a figure that a, a five-star steer, for example, could be worth 140 euro more to the farmer than a, than a one or a two-star steer. So that's the type of information we're really trying to use the fact that you have a really solid cohort of livestock farmers that will be attending next Sunday and taking the opportunity to, to I think, have a conversation with them and try and take out some of the, the mystery of it. The other part of it is that when you hear a lot of the commentary at a national level, farmers are being positioned as being part of the solution to the climate ambitions that we have. And as the Sustainable Livestock Village is trying to demonstrate, well, what does that actually mean? What are the things that can be done now to be really part of that solution? And as I said before as well, recognize the fact that farmers are already doing a lot in this space and trying to to bring that to the surface to maybe some of the other visitors that aren't farming that attend the show as well on Sunday.
3: This is an event that's obviously been in gestation
5: for a considerable period of time and it's a hugely collaborative effort. It is. like It's involving including the show organisers themselves, eight organisations in that you have the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine, you have Board Bia, you have Chagas, you have ICBF, you have Animal Ireland and you also have Dairy Industry and Meat Industry Ireland. So I think right across the sector, if you like, you have all relevant organizations under the one roof talking and, and organizing in a coordinated manner to show how it all adds up. So from a Borbea point of view, obviously, they'll be bringing the marketplace perspective when it comes to sustainability and obviously talking about what they're doing through the Origin Green program to, to position Ireland positively in the marketplace. From a Chagas and ICBF and AHI point of view, it's very much about well, whether it's breeding or animal health measures or measures to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. What can you do and how can you do it? And then from the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine perspective, it's very much about talking about things like SCEP, Acres, and how they're trying to support farmers in the move towards, it. if you like, that sustainability journey that they've been asked to go on. And collectively, then, what you're left with is very much a, a position of this is the industry like for coming together in a coordinated way to help each other make progress for it and also recognise the progress that has been made already and I think sometimes there's no harm to do that either Matt.
3: Something you mentioned there Parig and, uh, and your previous career mm. as an executive with Board B might help me along to to get an understanding of this. We all we all know about the importance of sustainability in environmental terms. Talk to me about its increasing importance in the marketplace. Are there demands on, on food producers coming from the marketplace?
5: Oh no doubt about that. I think I Often look at this, there's two elements to sustainability from a, from an Irish agriculture and Irish agri-food point of view. Obviously there's the policy dimension in terms of climate action plans and and everything that's been set out in farm to fork, if you like. But equally in the marketplace, what you have now is you'll have all the leading retailers, all the leading food service companies. They're setting their second or net zero target. So in other words, they want to have net zero emissions by 2045 or 2050, whatever it is. So they've set that out to their investors. This is the role we're on, we're going to get there. The issue for them is they need their suppliers to help them deliver on that objective. So increasingly what you're seeing from from customers like that is they're coming back to their suppliers, whether that's an Irish beef processor, an Irish dairy exporter, whatever it might be and saying, how can you help us deliver on this ambition? So what they're doing then because of that, and, and increasingly as time goes by, you'll see more of this, they're going to be making sourcing decisions about where they buy their ingredients or where they buy their products based on things like sustainability performance. So we are going to see that emerging because these are all major, major companies. They're going to be reporting to, to shareholders and stakeholders, if you like, every year, and they'll have to be able to show that progress. So I think there's a real opportunity for Ireland in that space if we can show all the good work that's happening and the impact that that's having over a period of time so that we are part of the solution to help them achieve, if you like, their own net zero ambitions over time. That's to stay, stay working with them, to stay supplying them and supplying the right end of their business in terms of the more premium end of it. So you can see that emerging. And I know board on Sunday will be talking about, they undertook some research about this time last year or whatever. And it, seven out of ten of the international buyers that they spoke to had moved sustainability up their agenda in terms of how important it was when they decided where to source from. So there's no doubt this is coming from a marketplace point of view as well as a policy perspective, Matt.
3: Well no everybody likes a clap on the back party so mm-hmm. you can tell me yep. whether we deserve one or not. My understanding is that we're further along the road and have a better a, a better history, a better story to tell, if you like, in terms of sustainability than many of our, our competitor
5: countries. And there's no doubt about that. If you even take it from, from a beef perspective, Matt, and, and you look at global beef suppliers as well as across Europe, like Ireland, performs very, very well in terms of emissions intensity. So the amount of, of carbon, if you like, for every kilogram that we produce will perform very well in relative terms. And a lot of progress has been made. I know figures from, from Borbia would show up since the... 2014, 2015, we've seen the average footprint of, of beef production here fall by 8 or 9%. So there's progress being made. The challenge we all face, obviously, is you look at a climate action plan that has a 25% target reduction by 2030 compared to 2018. So what we have in Ireland is we have a structure in that there's a, there's a plan and there's, a, there's an awful lot of activity and investment going in to deliver on that plan. We're starting from a better place in the first instance, if you like, which gives us a a step ahead of competitors. But it also highlights the need for the industry then to continue working together to deliver as much as we can on that target over the period of 2030 and use that then from a marketplace perspective, well, if you're looking for a sustainable source of supply, you should be looking to Ireland. And that's how it all has to come together. And that's why it's really important on Sunday, Matt, that all the organizations from Board B are right the way through the supply chain, back all the way towards at uh, true farm level, are under the same roof because we have to try and join the dots together. And the Sustainable Livestock Village is essentially trying to join the dots, clear and message to farmers and give practical advice to farmers about what they can be doing today rather than maybe waiting for some magical solution that might come down the track in four or five years time. It's kind of rolling up the seeds and helping farmers just give them an opportunity to ask the questions that they need to ask. And if we can do that, and if I was to say success on Sunday for me, if a farmer leaves the Sustainable Livestock Village on Sunday, saying there's two or three things, you know what, I'm going to try those. I'm going to think about how I can implement those on my farm. That's what we'd be looking for. And there's already an awful lot of good work being implemented at, on at farms uh, right across the country. But it's what's the next step, whether it's clover, whether it's protected urea, whether it's something on the breeding side or whatever it is. Just leave them with food for thought. And that's all we're trying to do on the Matt.
3: All to look forward to the Sustainable Livestock Village, part of the Tullamore Show on this coming Sunday, August the 13th. Craig Brennan, thank you very much for joining us on the Farm Show.
5: Thank you, Matt. The Farm Show
2: on KCLR. brought to you by tierlonfarmlife.com.
3: We occasionally cover the pig sector, even though it is the third biggest export, uh, food export sector in the economy, so hugely important, but relatively few producers, uh, unfortunately, due to ongoing tight margins. I'm joined on the phone by Thomas Gallagher, the president of the Irish Pig Health Society. Thomas, in your day job, you're also involved with MSD Animal Health, but we'll stick with the, the the pig health society. And speaking of health, how is the health, the profitability, the financial health of the pig sector at this stage? It went through a very rocky period up to February or March.
0: The the, the previous eighteen months from that, the previous eighteen months before before February was a very challenging period. We've seen a reduction in national herd. By between five and ten percent, some producers going out of the industry, but we're seeing now farms have returned to profitability, so that is a massive positive in an industry where supply and demand is very uh, significant. The outlook is very positive for the Irish pig industry.
3: But I assume it's a combination that return to profitability a combination of some increase in market prices allied to uh, decreases in uh, the, the most central uh,
0: feed uh, grain. Absolutely, like when you're producing a pig, 70 percent of the cost is feed and. Like if you look lately, the main inputs, wheat and barley have, have dropped. So every 10 euro of a tonne, wheat and barley drops, it's equal to four cent of the kilogram of pig meat price. So, uh, the influence of feed and what has happened in Ukraine the previous 12, 15 months can't be understated. So, uh, yeah, we, we have returned to profitability and the outlook is very positive because the pipeline to get production back up takes nine months, 12 months. So uh, the the horizon, the long-term horizon or medium, to the short-term horizon, it looks very really good.
3: Well, that's good to hear because there'll be a lot of uh, building up, rebuilding of, of finances, a huge drain over those 18 months. Tell me, one of the big influences in recent years and it created enormous volatility from China right acro- across the globe, African swine fever. How protected, how high are our bi- biosecurity measures to prevent it getting in here?
0: The one big cause for us in Ireland is actually, where we're an island. So that's significant. So that's, that's a big positive on our front. It's a very, uh, like we, we do live in a global world. It is in Eastern Europe. So that is significant and anywhere it's like we've seen the detrimental impacts it has in China and it's even back now in China. So, and that's probably driving on, that's having an impact on, on pig prices. There's a lot of, there's a lot of column of pigs in China because once a pig gets infected in China, it can't go into the the food chain. So what they're doing in China is is they're killing pigs. They're killing pigs young before they they would ever get it. That's having a significant impact on the market, ASF still. Like it sort of seemed to go away in China, and now it's back. And that's probably one of the underlying factors driving pig price at the moment.
3: The Pig Society, of which your president held a a very well-highlighted conference recently, let's look at it as an overview first. Talk to me about the theme of the conference and how, how important that was.
0: Yeah. So the theme of this year's conference was quality over quantity by maximizing health and efficiency. And we had three speakers, two international speakers. And our first speaker was soil retention and longevity. So it's essentially, um, there's been a lot of sort of trends that have came into the industry in the last 10 years, higher born lives and genetics, but also higher born lives can also have an impact. Your your soil mightn't last as long. So how do you, how do you have? get the maximum output from a sow but also how do you have a sustainable retention rates and sustainable longevity in your breeding herd so that was um we had a speaker called Stephen Hall from England who looked at data and different different angles to look at data in that front and he, he went down very well he went down very well
3: Compare and contrast briefly, Thomas. How good are our figures compared to international figures on on longevity?
0: It, it stacks up very well from an international perspective. Like we're we're definitely in the top third.
3: In fact, generally, Thomas, our competitiveness internationally is quite good in terms of you know, feed conversion ratio and so on.
0: It is it, like it, it's as good as it's as good as what's out there when you compare it to the Dutch or the Danes. Like every every industry has its unique challenges. Denmark would have a different product they might have higher higher figures in some production parameters, but they've got a different production model. Like our model in Ireland is predominantly single site production. As opposed to Denmark, it's it's mul- mostly multi site. They sell a lot of pigs to like of so from Denmark to Germany, as opposed to typically in Ireland, the farmer owns the pig from birth to bacon. Which is our typical production system in Ireland versus other countries doesn't doesn't have that.
3: I know, Thomas, uh, that you're trying to find a balance there in one of uh, the presentations that was made around uh, mammary gland development. There's this ability to increase the number of piglets per litter, but there's a limitation on the amount of milk that sow can
0: produce. That's probably the rationale behind our team was actually like, why go and produce 18 letters when a a sow's only got 14 teats? You know, it's like, Driving a Range Rover off in this on microengine, you know, that is sort, sort of the, the, the conversations we were having as a committee, like thinking like, um, the left arm, working off the right arm. So that is mostly, that is where the two speakers really fitted in Stephen Hall and Chantel Farmer, the right boar for the right sow and the right piglet and the right sow. And that's, it was trying to stack that all up because especially from a classroom perspective, um, like if if, if if a picket doesn't get to clostrum, you know it, it's I think it like it, it's its likelihood of getting to, finishing stage for the factory, is one in ten, so it's it's yeah was our approach.
3: What 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 impressed me now looking at it from the outside as a as a, as a non-expert obviously, is that you were using what I call natural science to try and enhance uh, milk production. The use of flaxseed and even an extract from from the thistle. Am I correct?
0: Yeah, um, like it, it's more or less the main note in the presentation was actually typically what would happen when they're rearing guilts for the breeding herd is that it's that keep them along with the males or keep them along with terminal production, terminal production. And basically they come in at 20 weeks of age and they just p- pick out the females that were identified for breeding. They wouldn't feed them differently. They'd feed them the same diet as a terminal line. And basically what Chantel was saying, like what we need to do, we need to feed these animals differently and keep them to about 10, 12 weeks of age together. But then you need to segment them and adjust the diets accordingly for uh, to, to to aid their gland development, like feed, feed them flaxseed, feed them higher calcium levels. You know, it, it's along those lines. So it's, it's more or less a specialised diet for a different animal, for a maternal animal, not a terminal animal. That's essentially the nugget of that presentation.
3: Thomas pig units use enormous amounts of, of energy, heat specifically, and uh, you had a paper there outlining options.
0: Yes, yeah, so we had Barry castle it was a really um based on the, pre- and the increased energy price over the last twelve months and there was there's um grant date available for solar panels and there was one farmer I think it was John Hannon he says the best the best best return of investment he can spend on this farm at the moment is is solar panels uh I think he's he's up to about 14% self-sufficiency. And doesn't it's, it's, it's a huge area. I think most farms, I'd say the, the penetration rates of the solar panels going on pig farms at the moment is quite, it's quite high.
3: And you had some other examples of alternative energy sources, uh, wood chip for instance.
0: Pig farmers would be fairly open-minded to look at alternative energy sources because pig farms are very, they're very energy intensive. It's non-seasonal, like whether it's heat or air, con- or air conditioning, you know, it's, um, well, mainly heat is the main source, especially in the foreign house. Like they're very energy intensive, so they need a lot of they need a lot of energy.
3: Just before we finish, Thomas, it strikes me. I, I was discussing dairy last week uh, with someone, and we were talking about China and the fact that they're hoping to be self sufficient in dairy. How they're going to manage it with water and land, I don't know. But equally, uh, the, the, the Chinese are building these huge multi-story integrated pig units. Will that impact hugely on international pig markets, pig prices in the years ahead, or will it only be a small segment?
0: It will, but the sensitivity of global protein production, it's like the sensitivity of this. Like it's a really sensitive market. Like you've seen, like there's been 500,000 sows have went out of Europe in the last 12 months because of um, crop profitability, like that impact. That will have in the supply dynamics in Europe is detrimental. You know, it's that's 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 driving the current pig price at the moment. But if you look at a you look at a continent like Africa, they're still they're still on a carbohydrate-based diet. When they start consuming protein, like twenty years ago, most of China was on a rice or carbohydrate-based diet. Africa, like I think once the income goes over is it five thousand dollars per year, consumers change from a carbohydrate-based diet to a protein-based diet. And once it goes over forty thousand, Dollars per year, which is happening in Europe. People are more environmentally um, aware of where their protein comes from, so hence we will have vegan movements and uh, a decline in animal protein. So uh, not a, a decline, but sort of a, a tail off. The likes of um, Africa is a big opportunity, and other developing countries. No, it's just like being honest. It's it's the return to profitability, and there's, there's probably a lot of debt out there, but the outlook is good. And there is a globally there is a need for animal protein. You know, the, the, the demand outlook is, is positive. So like it's in terms of like, a uh, global demand for protein is, is growing. The, the population, the population that wants animal protein is growing and the consumer base is widening. That's what I'd really try to focus on.
2: That was the third of our interviews. It was Parik Brennan and a very interesting uh, series of uh, conversations. As I said at the start, we've been trying to hold off for the right time. A lot of what we record or what Matt records to be more. Uh, to be more correct uh, tends to be um, time specific these uh, which we brought you tonight while they're not necessarily time specific apart from Portwick Brennan and the Tullamore show um, they were of interest we felt that there was an awful lot of um, interesting material that Catherine gave us and likewise with uh, Thomas Gallagher earlier on. Speaking of interesting, let's see what's happening down in Tullamart.
6: Okay, uh, just to say here, we've uh, 1,250 lambs on offer there and over 600 cash joes today in Tullamart. And looking to the trade there, uh, good steady trade again for the stores. The fat's possibly, I would say, even a little bit better than we had seen last week. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, a very lively trade there for those heavy lambs. Looking to lambs there, were 48 condos today. they selling there from uh, one forty-four and 5 up to a top call there of one sixty today, and they've been 40 9 kilos of 160 with 55 kilos there today making 170 and over then to the store trade there those lighter lambs 30 kilos upwards they're selling there from 90 up to 101 or 2 there for nice clean 33, 34 kilos with the 35 to 36 kilos they're selling from 95 and 6 up to 105 or 6 with the good stores then the good forward stores 40, 42 kilos they're selling there from 103 and 4 up to 115, 116 depending on flesh. Cash joes there no great change, heavy owes up to uh, 220 euros there lots of euros between the 150 180 mark with them lighter store feeding type euros saying from one from 150 to 160 per kilo in the Hoggett ring there, the Total cheaper, the show and sale there. Last Wednesday there, fabulous sale there, top call of 330 euro there for Hoggett shows, with over 25% of the sale selling north of 260 euros. And uh, just to say then that there was only one pen of Hoggett sold under 200 euros for the show and sale, and the old lambs were a very strong trade-off. So they selling there, the 40 to 42 kilos, they selling anything there from 130 up to 160, depending on type and, and quality, uh, with them top-class show lambs selling up to a top call of 275. Don't forget, we're back here again on Friday with a cattle sale and next week with a sheep sale. Thank you. The Farm Show on KCLR. Brought to you by tierlawnfarmlife.com.
2: KCLR Mart Report. Sponsored by Kilkenny Livestock Mart. Serving the farming community for over 60 years. A miserable night, but a happy face. George, how is the mark today?
7: Uh, thanks, Martin. Yes, uh, yeah, maybe the hump has been reached, or maybe we're levelling off because a similar size, say, uh, a smaller sale this week, uh, five hundred and fifty on offer. Uh, but the trade was sharper, definitely for the cold cows and the quality lots, and uh, for the time, uh, for the first time in many weeks, you could say the trade appears to be settling, and uh, maybe that was uh, due to the smaller numbers on offer. So the uh, six hundred kilo plus bullock range from uh, two euro twenty to 280 per kilo. That's uh, 1330 to 1990 per head. Five to 600 kilo bullock from 185 to 310 per kilo. A price range there of 1040 to 1650 per head. Average 1285. The uh, the beef over 600 kilo average price there was 1660. Four to 500 kilo bullock from 175 to 320 per or should I say 315 per kilo. 780 to 1520 per head. Averaging in at 1050 and under 400 kilo price range here from 180 to 3 Three thirty per kilo or from 820 to 1210 per head and for the lighter lights lots back there to 620 in the uh, an average there 780. in the cow division Frisian cows from 115 to 230 per kilo and excellent trade as were the continentals 150 to 277 per kilo getting near the good times again beef heifers from uh, price range of 230 to 35 per kilo that's uh, 1250 to 1670 per head for so Heifers from 230 th- uh, to 340 per kilo or 1080 to 1380 per head with the lighter types from 180 to 280 per kilo or from 580 to 910 per head. So beef heifers averaged uh, 1380, the forward stores 1200 euro and the lighter types 765. Uh, As I said, Martin, a smaller sale today, a lot of people trying to catch up on silage, I'd say, also people trying to catch up on grain and it's been a hell of a time, a tough time for, yeah, for I- all all farming activity. I,
2: and, you know, I know it sounds like the awful cliché, but it is a very, very real problem. If, you're, if your weather goes out of whack, when you're not getting sun when you should, or rain when you should, or whatever, when everything gets messed around, it causes all sorts it, of it, it, collateral, it collateral damage. It does
7: indeed. Yeah. And, and uh, I, I, we're not so far away from Dalton. The, the dryers are belting away there at the moment, and I'd say there'd be a lot of uh, corn to dry because it's not been very, very good weather at all at all. We had a sheep sale on Tuesday due to Monday bank holiday, and uh, the cull used there, 80 euro to 200 per head. And now a smaller sale and a change of day didn't help, perhaps. Butcher lands from 140 to 155 per head and a factory type from 115 to 140 per head. On Tuesday also, we had a Belclere ram sale. I suppose, in fairness, not not the greatest uh, happenings there. 60% clearance. Top price, though, was good, to 2,400. There were 12 animals that uh, made in excess of four figures and the range of price there was 300 euro to 2,000 four hundred per head for the Belgrade Rams Uh, sheep sale on Monday 10 a.m. and if you have calves let us know on Friday or at the outside let us know on Monday from 9.30 to 10 a.m. if you have calves coming in on Monday and uh, of course next uh, Thursday we have a general cattle sale and we have a special sale of uh, uh, show and sale of breeding ewes and breeding uh, lambs and uh, even older ewes if you have them Uh, that's the 21st Monday the 21st of August and uh, I'll be in Tullamore on Sunday in the commercial ring and that's the ring actually that has grown big time that commercial ring Michael Dolan did Trojan work there and there's over 360 entries in that uh, ring alone and I think the uh, minister is even coming down to have a look so um, it's going to be a busy day on Sunday all we want Martin a little bit of rain is okay but as long as it's only a little bit you yeah know, that's, well that's one. Uh,
2: you know it, it, it depends on who you ask if you ask non-farmers they give you a different answer most people <laughs> want it to rain during the night <laughs> well, it depends on what you're doing, what you what you're harvesting, exactly, or what you're trying to feed, or how you're trying to do it. But uh, do you get a sense? I mean, you said that things are are slightly up, uh, and and you mentioned at the start, you know, things are, have we have we gotten over the hump? Is there still uh, just uh, you know, you see, there's a lot of talk about farmer farmer votes and farmer parties and all that sort of thing. Is there still that underlying unease about the way things are going? Just, I, I, just,
7: I think the farmers have got fed up with being uh, being blamed for climate change etc uh, emissions and all that crack, and the proposal has said a couple of uh I, I think it's about six or eight weeks ago that mm. we cut the herd by sixty five thousand each year for so so you're going to cut the cow uh, population by two hundred and ten uh ten thousand you know, and we are being laughed at. Australia thinks it's a joke, America thinks it's a joke, and so does Mr. Musk. Musk, Musk, yes. Musk, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so so like uh, he said, how can a little island of Ireland with a population of 5.1 uh 5.2 million whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. and when you see of the emissions in lights of China and Brazil of course was was one of the uh, main problems there when the Amazon was being mm-hmm. uh, deforested there. Now the new regime is more uh you know taking on more well, They're in, talking. Yes. They're they're, You know, in
2: a way that, that in fairness, in fairness, whether it comes to anything now, of course we can be cynical and, you know, bat away the, the the apparent change. But it's, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, if, like do we all, do, we just give up. Uh, no, uh, you know, well, well uh, I think,
7: I think, as I said, farmers are being fed up, being mm. used as, as, as. They're, be- as a, they're b- not you know. being brought along. No, they're They're not. They're not. It and, seems and, and as and and if
2: it's, it's blame first. It's all stick, no yeah. carrot, no encouragement, and no, no listening. Whatsoever. Apparently,
7: no, no. And in fairness, remember. Ireland, per se, has one of the best grass spaces in the world. You mm. know, sort of, uh, that, that's because of the rain probably <laughs> the the <mild> climate. <laughs> well, I,
2: I had a conversation <laughs> with somebody in Denmark and they, they, they heard the accent and they went, oh, the 40 shades of green. He said, you get much rain there. I uh, said, we do, get uh, yes. a fair amount. And that's why, and he made the point that, you know, people actually know that we have a grass-based system, that it's the highest quality, it's as organic as you can get, and we, we trade on that, but unfortunately we're trading against you know, we've seen it over yeah, the years of Mercosur and Brexit and I all these things. I think we're, we're of the
7: opinion we should be the poster boys regarding climate action and all that, of Europe. Hold on a sec. We're on the periphery. We're an island. We need. And all. also, this uh, gets to me, people saying we shouldn't have live exports. How the heck can we survive? We're an island. We are the only island, if you look at it, in Europe. Even England is connected to Europe. So, And they're not in, the, in, in it. So, all in all, it's uh, very frustrating. Very frustrating for farmers. And I I, I feel that and now you see this um, big headlines this morning uh, the uh, Safety Authority have given the go ahead for plant-based meat plant-based meat okay it's a
2: bit like nut milk Uh, I always thought that milk came from Mammals,
7: Yes, yes. Uh,
2: and uh, we're, we're into semantics, but I suppose, look, there is, there are options, there are possibilities, there are all but sorts of things. Plant based, but on that
7: plant-based, Martin, but. it's six or seven times dearer than the actual product.
2: Well, there you go. <laughs> eld, eld, the old ways are the best. George, tell them
7: more s- if you're in, tell them more, give us a shout.
2: Great stuff. <laughs> okay. Thanks, as always, to George and to our other contributors this week. Matt will be back in the hot seat next week. I will talk to you when I talk to you. In the meantime, as we always say, Farm well, farm safely. I'll see you. Why?
5: The Farm Show on KCLR, brought to you by TierlandFarmlife